0: Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host, Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. I can't believe that this is my 70th episode and I'm so excited to be here with you on this episode. I don't have a guest today. It's summertime. I'm kind of taking a vacation. I finally am visiting my family in the United States and uh, we will have some episodes with guests later on in the month of August. But for right now, it's me, and what I'd like to share with you today is something that I presented for the Multilingual Learner Summit uh, at the beginning of July for Carol Salva, Dr. Katie Topple, and Tan Nguyen. Uh, They organized the summit. It was for the whole month. I recorded an episode about acid-based teaching or the acid-based approach to teaching. And the more I think about it, the more I see how closely it's connected to self-belonging, to belonging in general, and not just for multilingual learners or English learners or language learners, but for all students. And so that's what this episode is about. I also wrote a blog post uh, that was published this week by Inspired Minds. They're at Inspired Minds Thirty on Twitter. If you want to catch that, they also have uh, my blog post on their website. But I really want to comment about the whole approach to the idea of learning loss over the past year or so. Something that uh, have has been talked about by parents by some teachers by administration by policymakers and not just here but everywhere in the world um, it concerns me because it is such a deficit mindset when we talk about learning loss first of all it's a commentary on the fact that teachers weren't doing their job It means that uh, we're saying that children didn't learn that they lost some of their learning um, but I know I connect with so many people online, so many educators all around the globe and I know that there was so much learning going on even in the most difficult circumstances. even online, even hybrid or high flex, where students some students were in the classroom and some students were at home uh, at the same time and teachers were struggling to teach both groups. We also have to think about what were they learning in spite of the circumstances that may not have been content. What soft skills, what human skills, what life skills were students learning? So that's what I'd like to talk about today. Let's start looking at an asset-based approach. A mindset where we go in and we believe that all students can learn but not only that we say it We also do it, and we talk in a way that shows we believe it. So, what is asset-based approach to teaching? According to the New York University Steinhardt School of Education, simplest terms, an asset-based approach focuses on strengths. It views diversity in thought, culture, and traits as positive assets teachers and students alike are valued for what they bring to the classroom rather than being characterized by what they may need to work on or lack. Now I'll stop here for a second and say yes we know that students, all students, come in lacking certain skills, lacking certain content information, uh, abilities to do certain things, they have strengths and areas needing improvement, But if we focus on what they lack, that's what they hear. That's what our focus is as as educators, as teachers. So um, continuing with what NYU uh, Steinhardt School of Education says about asset-based approach, they talk about the at-risk or vulnerable, are pervasive in our field, and while the work of funders and nonprofits is well-intentioned, Language like this, or this whole idea of learning loss for the past year, deficit-framing language, which emphasizes statistics, disparities, tends to other, the places and people who are involved. It others people, it others students. Language can risk reinforcing negative stereotypes and perceptions or communicate the idea that these are inherent characteristics of a person or people rather than the result of circumstances and here if we're talking about learning loss over the past year that's a broad brush over the whole world can you imagine if we believe that every student around the globe has lost a year of school or six months of school I mean the negative impact of that belief set or that mindset is incredible Language can risk, and back to what NYU Steinhardt says, language can risk reinforcing negative stereotypes and perceptions or communicate the idea that these are inherent. Um, so this speaks to if a child who has a disability, a child who has a special need, a language learner, those children coming into our classrooms with different needs and different backgrounds, uh, newcomers and Other students, uh, students of color, uh, students who identify themselves uh, differently or act differently, behave differently, um, those end up getting negatively stereotyped. So for the person or group being talked about, it can have a stigmatizing effect and impact their identity or behavior. Now think about that for a second, or longer really how much of an impact that has so what what I'm going to talk about is how it impacts our perception but also student perceptions of themselves it is really devastating can you imagine being told or being directed or being linked to a specific group or specific problem behavior and eventually you begin to believe it about yourself it's it's really wrong. And it certainly will stop them from being able to be motivated, feel motivated, and so forth. So first of all, how is it related to belonging? Well, as you heard from the NYU Steinhardt statement or description of uh, a deficit mindset, it begins to other. So if we're talking about othering, if we're talking about about isolating, if we're talking about labeling um, language learners, those with disabilities, those who um, are gifted and talented in certain areas but not gifted in other areas um, we really see that this is a deficit mindset and isolates them and gives them that negative speak that they end up talking to themselves about or convincing themselves so how can we avoid a deficit mindset? Well for a teacher, we, we believe that all students can learn and, and I know that all teachers walk into the classroom and they believe all students can learn. So how can we make sure that we really are working on each and every student, not just the average student in our class. We need to look at learner profiles. So what our learners, what our learners bring to the classroom. What do they bring to the classroom that are their strengths? I call them superpowers, and there are others who have called them superpowers too. So what are their superpowers? How can we have them learn what their superpowers are and um, label those superpowers so that they can begin to use them to help them support themselves in their learning? And we have to remember that words matter. As I emphasized when I started, we need to be positive and constructive, not this deficit mindset, which ends up destroying self confidence, self esteem, and most importantly, in learning self efficacy that belief that I can grow, I can learn. That, you know, sort of not having that fixed mindset or that idea. That no matter what I do, I'm not a math person. I can't do science. I will never learn this language. Okay, We have to get away from that. We have to start talking positively. What do I need to do in order to be able to accomplish that goal? And we need to make sure that they understand that it's just that they're not there yet, but they can get there. And giving them the tools, as teachers, giving them the tools to be able to get there. And then scaffolding that those tools to the point where students are able to take over those skills themselves in order to be able to overcome those deficits. But without talking about, I mean, obviously we're going to direct them in a way that we do show them what, what they need to work on. But it's the way we phrase it and the words we use, it's not that they don't have, they're not able to, it's that we're not there yet. For the students, the ability to be able to come over that deficit mindset is for them to have a sense of self-belonging. Uh, and the self-efficacy in the target language, if that's what it is, or the, in the subject area, the content, um, that belief that I can do it. Um, or uh, having that idea of self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth, that I am able to accomplish what I set out to do. Helping them set goals. Uh, each student has strengths. They should know that they have those superpowers. They need to know what those superpowers are. Am I strong in uh, and am, am I strong verbally, artistically and sports? and nature what what are the things that i'm strong in and these may be some soft skills perhaps i'm really well organized those things need to be pointed out to students we shouldn't just assume that students know that they have those skills and that those skills are valued as much as learning content and again for students words matter they should be able to say to themselves I talk positively to myself so my self-talk is I can do this. I I need help, but I can overcome this. And so, how can we as teachers build our toolbox uh, of resources in order to be able to help students and help ourselves plan our lessons so that we can be more positive in our talk? and use that asset-based mindset, or framework, or approach. So for instance, if we're talking about uh, language learners, whether they're bilingual or multilingual, uh, whether they're learning English or any other language, um, we could look, at least for, for the English learners, the WIDA, the Wisconsin um, statements, the ICANN statements. So those are statements for ESL. Um, We can also, uh, and you could find those online uh, on the WIDA website, W-I-D-A. For strategies to pre-assess skills and knowledge, uh, those could be self-assessments. Those could be things that you implement uh, or put together. So having just just pop-up quizzes or the kinds of things, formative assessments or quick quizzes, in order for them to be able to show what skills and knowledge and this emphasis on skills, not just the content knowledge. And if we're talking about language learners or, or learners who have difficulty with, uh, with verbal uh, expression uh, or written expression, then being able to assess those skills and being able to point out exactly where they need to be uh, improve what they need to work on and giving them that focused feedback once you've done those kind of assessments because remember we're trying to empower our students to be able to do this on their own we can't we won't be there forever for them and we can't be there forever and we shouldn't be there forever for them so they need to be able to be to look for these things and to be able to do those kinds of assessments on their own um, professional development resources of course there are many different books and articles out uh, webinars uh, especially now that we've been online so much there are multiple conferences, webinars and, and so forth on YouTube and other websites um, your professional learning community uh, either within your school or your network professional learning network online and social media listening to podcasts, um, in school or online, as I said, your professional learning community is extremely supportive. If you just put a question out there, you'll get so many different resources and answers. So um, I'm not going to make this a really long podcast, but I really wanted to get the conversation going this week to start you thinking about this whole idea of, If you're starting out the year, uh, if you're starting in August or you're starting in September or you're in the middle of a term somewhere around the globe, you can think about how you are able to change that focus of they lack, they don't have to they're not there yet, how do we get there? And to include them in that conversation. And them I mean student, the students. So here are some reflection questions that I'd love you to think about uh, during this week, uh, before my next episode, uh, next Wednesday. And that is how can I, as the teacher, as the educator in the classroom, how can I spark their interest? How can I create a safe space for them to Experiment, fail, and gain because we know that learning comes from some failures. To have them feel confident that if they don't accomplish what they set out to do, at least initially, that they're just not there yet. And how can we create that environment to, for them to feel it's okay, that they won't be judged? Um, how can I, as the teacher, catch them when they falter? What are some of the things that I can do to scaffold that learning in order to be able to set them up for, you know, when you have those um, sort of team exercises, the trust exercises, where you fall back on someone and you have to trust because you can't see behind you. You have to trust that that person who is behind you is going to catch you. Again, this is for the students to be confident that, somebody will be there to catch them when they falter to help them to support them and not to to judge them because they did falter and then how can I ensure their self-talk is positive what can I do to make sure that what I say or how I perceive my students each and every one of them who's sitting in front of me in my classroom how can I ensure that what I pass along as my talk and allows them to have positive self-talk and how can I have conversations with them either as a group or individually to ensure that that self-talk is positive how can I check in with them to see if their self-talk is negative and how can I turn that around if it is and so I'll be posing these questions on Twitter all week and hope that you'll respond after you've listened to this podcast episode. I really appreciate all of you uh, who listen regularly and those who stop in from time to time. I know it's been a busy summer with lots of other PD and also just trying to relax and defrag, as I call it, um, from the past year. And so I really appreciate all of my listeners. I wish you all a good rest of the time if you still have some vacation time left. And if you're back at school, I hope things are going well for you. And uh, please reach out if you have any questions about anything that I've spoken about today. I have resources on my website which you can check out. And I am hoping, uh, this is sort of just a sneak preview, but I'm hoping to start uh, a newsletter by the end of August early September and uh, that will go along with my book that will hopefully be published this fall and a companion workbook which will have a lot of um, contributors of belonging lessons and also my own uh, creation lesson creations that I'll be sharing for um, lessons in how to create that sense of belonging and that asset-based approach to teaching and learning. And so uh, I look forward to um, listening to your, having your comments. And um, in the meantime, thank you again for, for listening to Journeys to Belonging. Thank you for listening to today's episode if you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging. That's Journeys Number Two Belonging. Dot See you next week.